We're going to go to Galatians chapter 1, uh, verse 18 through 24. Uh, 18 through 24. And so the Bible says, Then after three years, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem. This is Paul. To visit Cephas or Peter and remained with him 15 days. Everybody say 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother and what i am writing to you before god i do not lie then i went into the regions of syria and sicilia and the bible or cilicia rather and i was still unknown in person somebody say still unknown still unknown in person to the churches of judea that are in christ they only were hearing it said he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy and verse 24 says and they glorified god because of me be free praise god uh, so on this second to last we're going to 10 parts of this and if you've missed any of them make sure that you go and jump back in online they are available uh, on YouTube. Uh, and so in this moment, I, I just want to, uh, to to bring this plane down, start bringing this plane down for a landing. We've talked about all sorts of things, freedom from all sorts of things. And uh, I want to jump in today and really deal with freedom from uh, what people are saying about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Freedom from from what people are saying about you. Listen, so when we started this church, it was our, our intent and our desire to be in a place where we did everything above board. We operated with the utmost integrity. And our heart and our desire, even though we know we're not perfect, is that we were striving to do things in excellence. And so one of the things that we were passionate about is that we wanted to, you know, we built this church, uh, you know, and we're now just two and a half years old, going on three years, and God has done some incredible things. But it was our, our intent and desire to make sure that, we did everything we could to be above board. And one of the things was that, you know, there are a lot of people who are here and the majority of the people, what we celebrate, that come to our church are people who have had no church experience. Many of you, you've told me, you know, I've been out of church for 20 years or I've been out of church for nine or I've been out of church for X amount of years or I've never been to church or you were a part of another religion and you made the, you know, you converted, you heard the, the good news about Jesus and converted to Christianity. And we're really excited. We are so excited about it. In fact, that's something to make noise about where people, where people think that, you know, the only growth that happens is from, you know, people moving from one church uh, and coming to the new hype church. You know, that it is a very small number of you who have come from any other churches. And the thing is, in our uh, starting the church, we decided and we told people who were coming from other churches, if they wanted to come and be a part, we're like, if you're coming from another church and you want to be on our launch team is what we called it in the beginning. We said, we want you to make sure that you leave above board. In other words, that you, if you're serving on staff or something of this nature, that you don't just bust up and just leave out, you know? That you leave in order, that you talk to your leadership, that we, you know, because it was our heart and our desire to make sure that we, nobody was able to label us as individuals who were going and robbing people of their people. Even though, how many of you know, people don't belong to people? 
first of all. People belong to Jesus, right? But we still wanted to do our part to make sure that we were doing things above board. And so I praise the Lord that this has been the case. And if you talk to us, if you know us, or if you've been around for some time, you know that this is something that we are, you know, we don't see ourselves in competition with any other church, uh, but we see ourselves as co-laborers. Because indeed, how many of you know that the over 3 million people that do not, statistically, that do not profess Christianity in this city... How many of you know that one church alone is not designed to be able to reach that group of people? And so this is why our heart has been in this place. But, you know, how many of you know that no matter what you try to do, even when you try to do things in the right way, that oftentimes some people will speak well of you and they'll celebrate. But then there are some who will say negative things and try to pin things on you. And, you know, it's just insane to me. I've just heard some of the funniest stories, fam. Some of the funniest stories about people leaving their churches apparently to come and be a part of our church that sparked people saying that our church is all about going and taking people from other people's churches. There's like, you know, there was this one, there was this one time where someone literally came to me and said, Pastor, and they're like, you need to jump on this right away. I, I think you need to call X church, this church, because we heard, you know, it always starts with a we heard. We heard that somebody last Sunday in this large church got up in the middle of church and was like, I don't like this church anymore. I'm leaving and I'm going to serve city. And then they just walked out. And so we're like, are you serious? And so some of y'all are looking like they actually did that. I have no clue. I don't know. I'm yet to meet. They even gave a name and all this. I'm yet to meet that person. Because I don't even think they ever came to the church if they actually did it. But in that moment, I said to myself and I told the person, I said, listen, if, if any leader has an issue with us, I am not going to go down rabbit trails and chase down all sorts of he say, she say, because guess what? Here, this is where I'm going. Our focus is the mission that God has given us. And my old, the only thing I can do is do what I can, come on, to live above reproach and to live with integrity and to do what we can do. And if people decide I don't agree with whatever it was, if that actually happened, I don't agree with it. But I can't control people. I hope you see where I'm going with this thing. I can't make people do things or not do things. All I am responsible for is making sure that I do what I can to guard my name and to guard the mission of this church. And so, no, I didn't call. No, I didn't go and try to apologize for something that I didn't even know whether or not it happened. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because there are many of you, when it, as it pertains to bondage, and now trust me, I'm in the text. We're going to see it in a moment. There are many of us that we live our lives based upon and we're in bondage to the he say, she say of life. The narrative that people have created about you. Come on, somebody. Or there are many of us who are ignorant to what is being said about us. And so consequently, even when there may be truth in what is being said, we ignore it and we are delusional. And I believe, I believe that God wants us to be free in the area of what it is that is being said about us. That we are not in bondage to it. 
that we don't chase down, go down holes and down trails trying to chase after what we think or what we heard somebody is saying about us and where we're cognizant of what it is that is being said about us because there may be some truth and things that we can grasp and learn to be able to go to the next level in our lives. Are you with me this morning? So look, here in the text, I want you to see this. Look, the Apostle Paul, we talked about last week, the fact that God's call on our lives is often inconvenient. The Bible says that the Apostle Paul was advancing in Judaism when God meets him on the road to Damascus and changes his whole course of action. He was advancing. Things were working. And so sometimes God's call on our lives will be inconvenient and it will be unpopular. Are you still with me this morning? And so here in the passage, as we go on, we find, look at this. So it says in verse 18, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained because this chapter is largely based on Paul's uh, expressing the fact that he is a valid apostle. His conversion was real. So it's largely around his story. And so it says here, he uh, went to Jerusalem to visit Cephas after three years and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and I was still, everybody say unknown. I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They were, they were only, or they only were hearing it said. He you use to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. I want to talk to you about your reputation today. Here it is, here it is, here it is in the text. As we know, the book of Galatians, just for those who are now showing up, the book of Galatians was written to the church at Galatia, uh, which is which was in ancient Anatolia, which is now central modern Turkey. And the apostle Paul is writing to them about their freedom. And in this chapter, he's especially writing to them about their freedom uh, from the with his testimony at the substratum of his declaration, at the base of his declaration. And so here it is now we find in the text that the apostle paul is reiterating what is being said about him so he's reiterating he's saying i am unknown i am unknown i am unknown to the churches at judea that are in christ but they i i know what they're saying about me i know what they're hearing about me and I know also what their response is. How many of you know that even though their response, which we're going to deal with later, uh, their response was a good response and that they heard that the guy who used to be persecuting them has now become a Christian and they glorify God. But how many of you know that not every person was saying good things about Paul's conversion? Remember, the apostle Paul was very popular he was very popular in Judaism. He was a Pharisee. He was very, he was very cognizant and learned in the area of the law. So he had friends, he had community, he had people that he was connected to, he had family that was all within this system. So when it is that he left and now that he was coming against the thing that he previously was standing for, how many of you know that people weren't all saying good things about it? 
Many of us, when we hear about Paul's conversion, you know, if you grew up in church or even in reading this story for the first time, you may see like, oh, wow, praise the Lord. He came out of Judaism. How amazing. Now he's a champion for the gospel. But how many of you know that that was difficult? The apostle Paul had to face the embarrassment and fight through the embarrassment of, I used to be such a proponent and a strong hand against Christianity and for the things of Judaism, and, and now I'm wrong. And he was not necessarily that young of a gentleman. So I've been going in this direction and now I'm wrong. And so there are people who are against him. I remember when my wife and I, as you heard, and I started uh, by sharing, I shared a number of weeks ago about my wife and I and how God called us out of the religious bondage that we grew up in. How many of you know that when we left that, uh, when we left that organization that we grew up in that was so legalistic and was all around our works as opposed to what God has done for us uh, through the cross. You know, when I left, my wife lost her job. I lost my job because I was a pastor in that organization. A lot of our family left and got up and walked out. Come on, somebody. And we would begin to hear all of the whisperings this is where the bondage often comes. All of the whisperings of what people were saying about us. Many of the things, some of them would come behind the scenes and be like, I've been thinking this the whole time. I'm so glad, you know, and, and so we would hear certain pockets saying like, yeah, this is a good thing that you made the decision to get out. And I was just waiting for someone else to do it. And now I'm going to this is like a Harriet Tubman in the spirit type thing. Like, it's time for us to get out. Let's go. Underground Railroad to Jesus. Let's go. But there were others that were making up all sorts of foolishness. Mm-hmm. He just don't like everybody. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. He was just looking for an excuse. Just making up crazy stuff. We lost our family. We lost our friends. We lost our community. Come on. Can I just, can I just echo the sentiments of Paul? This was not an easy move. Although we were walking into the freedom that God had called us to. How many of you know that it's not an easy thing? And not everybody. Some people are going to be shouting Hosanna. Come on, Jesus. But others are going to be shouting crucify him. So the narrative, the, the things that are being said around you, oftentimes we become trapped by what's being said or we are ignorant and we block ourselves off. But the Apostle Paul knows what's being said about him, knows what's being said. You know, uh, the thing is that I'm sure that there are other people, if you look through the through the through the book of Acts and even through Paul's account, we find that there were so many people that were trying to now that he was for before. Now they're there and they're trying to kill him. And they're going out of their way and doing everything they can to stop this that has happened in his life. When we make shifts and changes in our lives, oftentimes the people who were celebrating you in the past, maybe I'm the only person in here that's ever been in that position. When you make that decision to make the shift and the change, the people who were for you end up flipping roles. Oh, man. Okay. I just I just want you to get this. So so watch this. The Apostle Paul knew what was being said about him, even though he didn't hear it himself. So this is what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about your reputation. And this is the thing. This is here it is. So the Apostle Paul, watch this. It was people's per reputation is people's perception of you without you being physically present. 
So he heard what people were saying about him, even though he was not there. He says, I was unknown to the churches of Judea. Can I just deal with the text? I was unknown to the churches of, of, at Judea that were in Christ. But I only heard and I knew that they were hearing that this guy who used to persecute Christians was someone, is someone now who is for them. Someone who is, is now uh, uh, for them. And so, you know, the fact of the matter is how many of you know that oftentimes we treat people, talking about reputation, based upon not our encounter with them, but what we hear about them. Uh, and there are many of you watch this God has actually placed people strategically in your life but oftentimes we will not encounter them because or, or engage them or open ourselves to them because of what we heard about them from somebody else you already decided in your mind mm -hmm, that person is a liar because I heard that they're a liar y'all don't want to be real with me Oh, mm -hmm. I already know that that person is shady. So when you're talking to them, you smiling in their face, fake as all get out. Yeah, it's so good to see you. Hallelujah. And in the back of your mind, you're like, mm -mm, there is no way. This is the last conversation we have in. Because we deal with people oftentimes based upon what's been said about them. And I just want you to understand how many of you know that just because a relationship might not work with someone else does not mean that it's not going to work with you. Come on, somebody. And you and I got to get to the place where we stop basing and I get it. I understand there may be some truth, but oftentimes it's just because the personalities didn't click with the other person. But that don't mean that it's not going to they're not going to click with you. So, you know, we often do this. And so this, the, the Apostle Paul, he had a reputation. And so I just want to challenge you because it's very important for us to understand that our reputation is important. We cannot, watch this, we cannot control what people are saying about us. But we have to understand what our reputation is. And we need to do our part to be able to make sure that we are doing our best to be able to establish and have a good name. Come on. And so here it is. Number one. Can I give you number one? Number one for us today. Here it is. It will be on the screens for you. Your reputation is your presence in your absence. Hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. Your reputation is your presence in your absence. Some people will never meet you in person, but they'll hear about you. And so the apostle Paul is like, hold up a second. He's like, listen, they have not met me physically yet in Judea, but this is what they're hearing about me. And so just so you understand the power of your reputation, your reputation is your presence in your absence. You before you, how many of you know that your reputation precedes you? Before you go to a place, if there is something that is being circulated, it is your, your reputation precedes you. Here in the text, the Apostle Paul is known, even though he's unknown in person, he is known as one who has had a conversion experience, a radical conversion experience, to the place where he is now known for being building the church of God as opposed to tearing it down. 
And I don't know about you, but if there's any reputation that you ought to live to have, come on somebody, it ought to be one where you're transparent enough about your past. Can I talk about it? And people may look at you and say, yo, that used to be somebody that used to jump out and in and out of beds like a McDonald's drive-thru. But now they've had a, oh my God, a conversion experience and they're delivered and impacted. Come on. They might be like, yo, that person used to walk around like a zombie. They were always high out of their mind but now they're sobered up and they're walking in freedom come on somebody and they can I even take it a step further the testimony that says you know what that's somebody that still struggles but now by the grace of God and the mercy of God I'm walking in their lives and I'm seeing more victory in their lives than I'm seeing mess ups I wonder if there's anybody that's still under construction that can give God the glory so it says the guy that used to persecute the church the guy that used to persecute the church is now the one that is building the church oh my oh my so so it was twofold let him let him talk about you but but make it make sure that you know at the at the top of it all that they know about the change that has happened and so the bible is actually clear when it comes to talking about your name and your reputation because your reputation is your presence in your absence proverbs chapter 22 verse 1 it makes it clear that, uh, and you can write this down and check it out later, that a good name is to be desired. A good name is to be desired above all sorts of, of treasures. Uh, and so a good name is to be chosen rather than riches. And favor is better than silver and gold. But the A part of the text, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. I'm telling you, when you establish and do what you can to build a good reputation, and it's not about perfection, because remember, what was being said about Paul was the joining of his past and what God is doing in his life at this point. So it's not about perfection, but he was doing his part to build, and, and he, was, he was in a position where he was building a name and a reputation for himself that even when he was not present, that even if people talked about his mess, they had to couple it with the grace of God. And that ought to be our heart to build a good name. There are many of you that are looking to build your, your wealth portfolio over a good name. And so you're okay with cheating and lying as long as you're in a place where you have X amount of dollars. The men of us that are, that are looking to, to climb our way up the corporate ladder or to sparehead our business or to be in a position where we are getting this, you know, to, to find the correct spouse. And there are things that we put as priorities as opposed to having a good name. But he says that a good name is to be desired above treasures because why? Our reputation is our presence in our absence. Man, I just want, I, I, I don't know about you, I desire this. And, I, and I, you ought to pray, you ought to pray like, God, give me a good name. Come on, even if you're somebody that was dishonest in the past, I believe that God can set you free from that dishonesty. Even if you have a track record of horrid things in the past, I want to talk to somebody that showed up today and you're like, well, pastor, it's too late for that. Come on, I'm here to tell you that it's never too late for God to turn that thing around and the, when people used to be talking about you in a negative way, that God can turn that thing around. The Bible says that when you walk in integrity, that God can even make your enemies be at peace with you. Oh, I wonder if I have a witness in this place. There are people that used to know me as a liar. And so before, when I was a kid, you know, it was based in, it was based largely, largely, largely uh, in insecurity. I was such an insecure individual. 
In many regards, I still battle and walk through these things. And when I was a kid, you know, because I wanted people to like me, I used to lie. And I'll never forget, man, I'll never forget one, uh, one, one day in church, I was there with my friend. My wife is laughing because she knows exactly what I'm getting ready to talk about. And I like telling on myself because I, I want you guys to be honest. So if I want you to be honest, then, you know, I need to make sure that I'm modeling this, right? And so in this moment, you know, I remember when I was a kid and I was in church and I was sitting there next to, uh, <laughs> next to a friend of mine. And, you know, I'm a Super Nintendo guy. Any Super Nintendo people in here or not? Okay, yeah. And so I used to play this game called Killer Instinct. Anybody know about Killer Instinct? Killer Instinct was dope, right? Cinder and all of the mandem and stuff and whatever. So anyway, I sat there and I'm sitting next to my friend in church. And I'll never forget, I was like telling him all sorts of codes for all these special moves in the game. And I'm like, you got to go up, 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 B-A, B-A, B-A. I'm like making stuff up. I'm like telling him all. He's like, oh, this is good. And he's just writing it down on his little pad because we didn't have cell phones back then. So he's writing it down on his little pad. And then the next week he came and he's like, bro, you're such a liar, fam. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, none of those codes worked. I'm like, yo, your controller must be broke. That's what's going on. But really, I was just a liar. And I wanted it to come across to him that I was known and I had such a knowledge of this game when I really didn't have it. And later down the line, that, those lies and the insecurity continued to build. And I was someone that was just extremely insecure and went out of my way to lie for no reason. And so my reputation, stop laughing at me. She was there for a lot of those lies. Even when I met her, I was lying to her. So I'm a witness, praise the Lord. That God can turn it around. Now people are like, oh, Pastor Andrew is so honest. I'm like, listen, fam, if you knew me uh, about, you know, 15 years ago, come on, somebody. I'm a witness that God, come on, even if you have a lying tongue that the Bible says is an abomination to the Lord, come on, that God can turn it around and get you to a place. I don't know what your thing is. I told on myself, I don't know what your thing is or what you were known for, but I'm here to tell you that when your testimony collides with the grace and the mercy of God, that we serve a God that can wipe out the past. And if any man be in Christ, I'm excited about it. He is a new creature. Come on. All things are passed away way and all things can become new it doesn't matter what you showed up with or what your reputation is like god can give you a clean slate today if you believe it you better put those hands together and open your mouth and give can i give you point number two here we go talking about reputation look it's gonna be on the screens for you it's problematic when everyone is saying good things about you. In fact, look at your neighbor. Tell them, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. If all the man them are saying good things about you, Houston, we have a problem. Jesus says, you think I'm lying. Look in the text. It's in the text. Write this down. Luke 6, 26. Jesus says, whoa, everybody say, whoa. whoa, it's like, whoa, he says, whoa unto you when all men speak well of you, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. The word woe means great sorrow or distress, misery, when 
all men are speaking well of you. Some of you, it is your desire to get everybody to say good stuff about you. That's why you post the pictures that you do. That's why you feel insecure when everybody don't like your picture. Come on, somebody. And you don't realize that. The, oh, see, I, I just bursted somebody's bubble because you know exactly what I'm, you're like. You post a picture. You leave it up for five minutes to see how many people like it. If only I'm walking down your row, aren't I? If only three people like it, then you go delete it. And they're like, maybe, maybe it's the time of day that I posted it. So I'm going to post it in the evening time because, you know, people at work now, uh, you know, they, they, we already passed the lunch break and all of that. So we're going to wait till, the, you know, right before work uh, ends and they, they just they're just scrolling and whatever. Now is the time. Come on, somebody, because it's our desire. You know, people that want everybody to be their best friend. I was a notorious dude that went around trying to make every single person my best friend everyone my best and so i would bring when i'd encounter people i would go out of my way and again all of this stuff stemming out of insecurity anybody else battle insecurity other than me you know insecurity in this place because the fact of the matter is i was in a place of insecurity and so i wanted everybody to be my best friend no matter who they were not realizing that everyone is not called to be your best friend come on somebody everybody is not going to like you if you build something come on somebody if you want everybody to like you don't do nothing and even if you do nothing people are still not going to like you y'all don't want they'll be like oh why is this dude just sitting at home doing if you don't do anything or if you do something as long as you breathe or if you're dead people be talking about you over the casket too It don't matter what you do or what you y'all y'all think I'm joking. Listen, I used to work at a funeral home. We used to have to call the police at funerals. Come on, in the states they don't even be making sport, fam. There is no joke. There will be people fights breaking out over jewelry that the person in the casket is wearing, and we'd be having to break up fights, disrespect of the people who are dead and gone when you're living people will talk about you when you're dead people will talk about you if you try to do anything people will talk about you and so you got to get to the place where you are no longer in bondage to what is being said about you you acknowledge the fact that guess what people are going to say good stuff and there's some that are going to say bad stuff but the assignment on my life Paul says the gospel call to be able to take the gospel in this chapter to the Gentiles so that people who are not Jewish could be able to hear the gospel in addition to those who were Jewish he's like I'm willing to do whatever I can that no matter what they're saying it's not going to stop me from carrying out the mission of God for my life and so look shouldn't be my goal shouldn't be your goal to make everybody your best friend some of them need to be in the, in the friend zone, uh, but in the friend zone that's, that's a little bit less, so the, the next level, amen. And so look, I don't got a lot of time, but here, this is very important. This is very, very, very important. I want you to understand this. This is where we're closing. Number three, does everybody say number three? Here it is. Babe, this one's for you. Be concerned, but not consumed but what, by what people are saying about you. Here it is. Be concerned, but not consumed by what people are saying about you. You should care. Notice Paul knew what was being said about him. 
So there's some people we guard ourselves. We're like, oh, I just I don't want to know. I don't care. It doesn't matter what people are saying. No, you should care. You should know what's being said about you and what's out there. But even if you are concerned about it, it, notice it did not hinder the Apostle Paul, neither did it hinder any of the other disciples of Christ from carrying out what it was that God had called them to. Are you with me? And what I mean by this in terms of being consumed, concerned, but not consumed, is that we got to be to the place where it's not overtaking you or where you're not obsessing about it. Where you're not living for the approval or even the disapproval because it can be twisted to of mankind. So we're not obsessing. We're not in bondage to what people are saying. We're just living to build a good name and a good reputation. And we're trusting God. We're trusting God with what happens in our lives. Even what people are saying or not saying. Are you with me? And now the thing is, the reason why I'm saying we ought to be aware and we ought to be concerned is because, watch this, you know, there may be constructive criticism. If everybody is saying something about you, sometimes there's usually truth in it. And what you do is this. You don't go to Facebook and see, this is the thing. Some of y'all, you be hitting me in my inbox and you don't understand. In my Gabbery comedy page, I got over 12,000 followers. I think it's like 12,300, something like this. And people be in the DM saying all sorts of crazy stuff. And I realize I'm like, you know what? I got to I got to guard myself. And so I'm not talking about going and, and, you know, obsessing over what each thing and each person is saying and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes if you're hearing something that that is that is becoming a tenor, what is what you do? You go to trustworthy people and you say, hey, this is what people are saying is what is being said truthful. Is this something that I need to grow in? Notice I said trustworthy people. Not the, not the comment section. Trustworthy people. And say, is there truth to this? This is just some practical stuff for you. And allow for the people who are close to you to be able to speak in to challenging you. Because sometimes there is truth in what is being said. One time my boy Jonathan uh, you know, uh, Pastor Jonathan, who was here a few weeks ago and preached for us, I never forget, you know, we were by my house and, you know, and we were getting ready to go. And he was like, he, he just stops me as we're going out the house. And he's like, he's like, yo, man, he's like, why are you so defensive? Right now, this was not the first time that I've ever had that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not defensive. <laughs> no, like he literally was like, case in point. You know, I'm telling you you're defensive and you're being defensive about not being defensive. And in that moment, I realized that everyone had been saying that was something that was being said about me, that I was a defensive person. And so many people were scared to say stuff to me because I was not open to exploring opinions because of my insecurity and because of the feeling that I needed to be right and guard myself. I wasn't willing to let anybody in. And so it was being said about me that I was a defensive person. But then in that moment, I stopped and I said, hold up a second. This is my boy. This is my brethren, right? So like he has my best interest at mine. So if I, maybe, maybe I do need to give ear to this and ask him and say, hey, am I actually a defensive person? There are some of you, people are saying about you, you're a rude person. And, and, and this is something that's out there. And you're like, mm, I don't care about what anybody says and blah, blah, blah. That's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes there's truth and you need to ask somebody and say, hey, am I truly like this? Because it may help you to be able to listen. See, there's a balance to the thing. And so your reputation is important because remember, your reputation is your presence in your absence. 
And look, this is why I want you to understand because sometimes your reputation can be your biggest mirror. Watch this. The fact is that Jesus asks, write this down, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 20. I want you to get this because when people say, nah, like it doesn't matter about what people are saying and, and all of this doesn't matter. Note this, Jesus, before he talks to Peter and asks Peter about what does Peter think about him, he asks and says, Who, what is it that people are saying about me? Oh man, this is Jesus, y'all. He says, who do men say that I am? So this is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is all-knowing. God is all-knowing and all this. But he asked the man them that he was with. He says, who do people say that I am? And look, I say here on the text. Now when Jesus came to the district, he asked the disciple, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So he is asking what is being said about himself. So he is concerned about it. But then he goes on and he says, but who do you say that I am? So like, you know, so this is what's being said about me. And then they list all the different things that people say about him. But then he asks his boys and the people that he was walking with, but who do you say that I am? And then they tell him, we believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the father who is in heaven. In other words, those be you were around me. And this thing, this thing was revealed to you. Remember, we've been talking about Revelation. As you've been walking in me and walking in my presence. And I know that primarily it's talking about a messianic revelation and, and him accepting Christ and all of this wonderful stuff. But the secondary principle we can grab is that the people that you, you trust the word of those who are close to you in regards to what is being said about you. But also to affirm who it is that you are in the earth. Here it is, uh, Dr. Jermon T. Glenn, who is a very good friend of mine uh, out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. He says, stop taking things personal from people who don't know you personally. Dr. Glenn, you get the credit. I want you, but God gets the glory. Peep this. He says, stop taking things personal from people who don't know you personally. And many of y'all are in bondage to stuff that's being said about you from people who don't have don't have a clue who you are. Come on, somebody. They're just giving, they're they're making their conclusion, and the narrative that's being uh, that's being disseminated is based upon false or limited information. And that's why you cannot allow yourself to be controlled by the narrative or what is being said about you around. Are you with me? This is why Jesus, and I'm ending on this, this is why Jesus says, this is why Jesus says in Luke chapter 23 verse 34, Father forgive them, for they know not what they do. As he was in a position where he was about to be crucified and he's on the cross and the people who are mocking him and are spreading lies about him and are saying all manner of foolishness that put a crown of 72 thorns on his head that hung him high and stretched him wide, pierced him in his feet, pierced him in his heart sack so that blood and water came, came gushing out. This same Christ who had all reason to be able to punk people because of what they did. He, in that moment, says, God, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. In other words, he didn't take it personally because they had no clue what they were doing in that moment. Jesus was dying for the people who were putting him on the cross. There are people that you are in a, on assignment to, that don't even like you right now. And you're on assignment in their lives. And even though they might not like you right now, come on, I wonder if you're getting this thing because of what's being spread about you, that you cannot allow yourself to be in the bondage. 
be in the bondage of what's being said because the assignment is greater than the gossip. The gospel is greater than the gossip. So you and I cannot be caught in the chains, Kanye, of what people are saying about you. Because as long as you know that the transformation that has happened in your life is real and you're doing your part to build a solid reputation, you do so and let God take care of the rest. If that message blessed you, why don't you go ahead and put those hands together and give the Lord praise in this moment.